This whole month we're on doing a series on relationships. We talked about our relationship with God. And last week we talked about our relationship with our spouses, you know, our marriage relationship. Um, and this, this day, you know, today we want to look at our relationships with our friends. So we want to look at friends friendship you know what is what is that what is a true friendship and what does it mean to be christians and friends that's what we want to look at okay i feel like i'm with this poster up here and talking about friendship i feel like i'm doing like a sunday school lesson you know with the youth group you know because when's the last time you heard a sermon on friendship right i told grace as i was preparing like i, I don't think i'll ever want to preach on friendship again because it's so like everybody knows what a good friend is you know um kind of redundant but you know uh, there is also another poster that says everything i need to know in life i learned in where where kindergarten right so you know it's okay to have a sunday school lesson once in a while as a good reminder so anyway uh we're gonna look at a few different verses from uh, proverbs but we the main text we're going to be interacting with is from first samuel chapter 20 first samuel chapter 20 and because we're looking at the whole chapter it's a bit lengthy um, i'm not going to read that whole thing for you and we're going to uh, just go in and out of this this uh, chapter this text this morning all right um, and as we look at it we're going to again uh, think about what it means to be a good friend what are some qualities of a true friendship and what does it mean to be friends as christians right uh, the first thing uh, I want to first uh, just throw out there about a quality of a good friendship, true friendship, is true friends tell it like it is. True friends tell it like it is. Now, we obviously have to expound on this. Uh, the Proverbs that we want to look at real quickly is 27, uh, chap uh, chapter 27, verse 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Man, what a great way to uh, describe uh, uh, this, this point that I want to talk about. First Samuel chapter 20 is about two friends. And these are two guys uh, that, that from the Bible uh, is most well known as being really good friends. Friends, very good friends, best of buddies. Who, who am I talking about? Who are we talking about? The two best buddies in the Bible. David and Goliath. Okay, I'm so glad no one said Goliath, okay. Uh, David and Jonathan, okay. David and Jonathan. All right, David and Jonathan. So these are two buddies, and everybody, everybody uh, knows them as really good friends. And, and, and we'll see why today uh, and how they were friends, how they were true friends to one another. And, 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 and when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 20, you know, David had already slain Goliath, and he had already gained some fame for himself, right? And, uh, but the thing was, um, as, as David's uh, fame grew uh, bigger, um, and, 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 you know, everyone started to recognize David's leadership and his giftedness and anointing on him, um, Saul, the king at the time, the very first king of Israel, increasingly became jealous, right? Initially, he needed David to help him to, to defeat the enemies because David was so good at it, you know, uh, and, and the Israelites were so scared. And everybody's familiar with the story of David and Goliath. And you know, David comes in and he defeats the enemy and his, his fame grows. And, and Saul increasingly becomes more jealous. On top of it, an evil spirit starts to come and starts to torment him. And so he's just, you know, there's insecurity. And if you read through, uh, study the life of King Saul, you will see from the very beginning, 
despite having all the external requirements uh, or ideal requirements for a candidate to be a king, the first king at that, you know, he was struggling with insecurities and, and all the dif different issues of having to prove himself uh, with self-doubt, having to overcome that, and all these things. So, so with all of that, you know, th there's this guy, David, who comes onto the scene and, 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 you know, he can sing, he can dance. He, we know he can dance later because, he, you know, he, he danced so hard that his clothes were coming off. You know, he can sing, he can dance, you know. Uh, and not only that, he's oh, like a warrior, you know. Um, and, and so uh, God is, God's hand is on him and, and Saul grows to be very jealous of him and, and eventually tries to kill him. Saul spends so much of his energy uh, trying to find David and tries to kill him. Now, David has had enough of this. You know, he, he realized Saul's trying to kill him. And uh, he, um, uh, in the meantime, however, David becomes really good friends with Saul's son. So this is like Saul is the king. You know, I'm David, let's say. And, and he's trying to kill me. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? But in the meantime, his son, I have become best friends with. So you can, you can understand the situation can be a little sticky. To make it even more complicated, David's wife at this time was who? Guess who? Not only was David best friends with Saul's son, but he was also married to Saul's daughter, right? So there's this, I mean, talk about a, a Korean soap opera here, right? I mean, that's what's going on. And Saul's trying to kill David, and David's like, oh, I can't handle this anymore. And, and, and eventually Michal, Saul's daughter, helps him to escape when Saul's trying to kill him. And he runs away, and Saul goes after him. And he's like, oh. You know, uh, and, and that's how we come to verse 20. So David uh, flees and then he comes and finds Jonathan, a son of the man who's trying to kill him. And this is his best friend. Verse 1, uh, he says, what have I done? What is my crime? I haven't done anything. I have only served your dad, your father, the king, you know, faithfully. How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? Jonathan, of course, here says, no, never. He will never do that, David. Uh, you know, and uh, he says, you know, if he wanted to kill you, he would tell me about it. He doesn't do anything uh, without first consulting me. And David says, no, I'm not lying. You know, what do you, you know, uh, verse 3 says, David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. So he's saying, Saul, your dad knows that I love you and you love me. And, and, and by the way, by the way, uh, some people think, yeah, they had this uh, something more than a friendship going on. That's, you know, talk about reading into uh, a text. You know, that is not what's happening here at all. Uh, but so I just wanted to mention that, okay. David and Jonathan, they didn't have anything funky happening there, okay. They were just really good friends, okay. Um, and and the, he's saying, you, he knows how good of friends we are. So he doesn't want to tell you because he's going to try to stop you. Guys, he thinks that you're going to try to stop him. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, continuing in verse 3, there is only a step between me and death. Man, people, did you ever notice people in the Old Testament, in the old times, they spoke a lot more eloquently. They spoke more poetically, beautifully. Who says, man, your dad's trying to, you know, kill me. Um, but he says, there is only a step between me and death. You know, uh, wow, it's so, I don't know, it's like really pretty. Um, anyway, Jonathan says to David, Jonathan understands because he sort of knows. He knows what's been going on. And, and he thought his dad was over because Jonathan made his dad promise him he's not going to try to kill David again. That's why Jonathan is saying, well, he, he, he couldn't have changed his mind without telling me first. But David tells him and Jonathan says in verse 4, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. 
So going back to the point, the, the first thing uh, about a true friends, tell it like it is. Do you think it was easy for David to come to Jonathan, the son of the man who's trying to kill him and tell him that, hey, your dad's trying to kill me. Your dad's trying to uh, wipe me out. He's trying to take me out. You know, what's going on? Um, and, if, and at the end, too, if, when we continue to read on, Jonathan, you know, goes and he actually, they do uh, this test thing, you know, Jonathan does. And, and he finds out his dad is indeed trying to kill his best friend, David. And then he comes, you know, and, and says to David, you're right, you're right. Yeah. We have different situations in life where things are very difficult for us. And, and sometimes it's very difficult to say a certain thing to our friends, right? And, and this was one of them. I mean, this was Jonathan's dad, best, best friend's father. And, and this was his best friend. Jonathan, his, it was for him, it was his own father. It's his own father. But he, he, had to, he was telling David honestly what he found out. They're talking honestly to each other about a very serious problem as friends with absolute honesty and trust. True friends should be able to do that even when the truth may hurt the other person, right? I remember uh, in back in college, um, when I was an upperclassman, we had uh, you know, a group of, group of us uh, that were really, really close friends, but after that research, apparently, half of them didn't consider me a friend but anyway we're, we're a really cool circle of friends um and uh, a couple of them were underclassmen and, and we're upperclassmen and uh we, we we started to notice that um the, a couple of these guys the underclassmen guys they started to slack off they started to slack off a lot during the school year you know as in not really studying um skipping out on you know things that they were supposed to be a part of you know and, and just constantly just watching movies and music videos and and we're talking about music videos of the sexy kind you know it's not just the live concert footage we're talking about like sexy kind of music videos and and uh, you know uh, every man's struggle right every man's struggle um, but anyway um, not that I didn't have any of these things but as upperclassmen you know I, I began to notice Somebody should talk to these guys because I feel like they're um, just kind of wasting so much time. Everybody slacks off in college, but, you know, I felt like it was getting to uh, kind of a dangerous point. And I talked to this another guy, um, and he started to notice uh, it's the same thing. And we said, you know, uh, we should talk to them. As, as brothers uh, in Christ, we should talk to them. We should uh, keep them accountable, you know. And uh, how do we do this? Uh, okay, well, um, you take one, I'll take one, and we'll, we'll, we'll you know, uh, go get coffee or something separately. And uh, um, and so I got, I took, I, you know, got one, and I got one. And, and you don't understand, we're like, it's not like we're small group leaders or anything. We're just really good buddies. Um, and uh, so you can imagine, uh, you know, we're buddies. We hang out all the time. We goof off, and we hang out. And then all of a sudden, um, I ask him to uh, come out, and, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's talk. And he, he, like, froze. He's like, uh, this is weird. This is awkward. And... And, uh, you know, as it was for me as well, it was super awkward because uh, we're just buddies. And, and, uh, but as an older brother, I felt uh, convicted to uh, share certain things with him. And uh, I did. I say, hey, man, you know, um, you know, we're like good friends, but I started to notice some things. And I just wanted to see how you were doing. I just wanted to see if you're okay. Like, I just wanted to see if you were, um, why you were, uh, you know, uh, so consumed with these things uh, lately. And, um, um, 
and we, we talked, and, and believe me, from beginning to the end, it was awkward. I'm not here to tell you that, you know, at the end we cried and hugged and we prayed for each other. No, it wasn't like that at all. It was very awkward. He probably was like, why is Mike freaking out? Like, why, why is he, like, why, why is he, you know, uh, freaking out about all of this? This is nothing. And, um, um, and we're still friends. Very good friends still to this day. And, and whenever it comes up, they still give me a hard time about it. You know, yeah, Mike, do you remember when you got on your holy roller thing, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But, but here's, here's what I want to say about that is, is, is as, you know, you believe me, I tell you, I kid you not, I prayed uh, and I thought about it. I, 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 you know, thought about do I talk to him or not, you know. Um, I I prepared myself for this conversation because, you know, regardless of whether I was in the right to do that or not, I felt as a brother in Christ, because we're both believers, you know, we, 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 we um, even served together in different capacities. We, we, I felt that I, my job as a brother in Christ, my job as a friend as a, in, in Christ was not just to be like, hey, that's cool, that's okay, that's okay, it's all right, you know, uh, and just be there, but, but to speak into his life, okay, um, and to keep him accountable, keep them accountable. Now, this is very important. I want you to understand this part about this. I want you to understand, because a lot of people misunderstand this, telling it like it is to your friend doesn't make you become true friends. Okay, well, just me, let's say I, I see Eric doing something wrong, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I got I to gotta talk to him about this before it gets out of hand, because um, Desert is going to kill him. I know that for a fact, okay? Um, but me just telling him doesn't make us become friends. Do you understand that? I am only able to tell it to him because of our friendship. This is very important to understand. Some people misunderstand this. They, they say, they, they, whenever they see anything wrong, anybody stumbling, anybody, they're like, oh, I'm going to speak into that brother's life. I'm going to speak into that sister's life because as a Christian, I'm supposed to keep them accountable. No, this is very important. You understand that David and Jonathan already had a deep friendship. And it is because of that. Do you think that David, it was fun for him to come to Jonathan at that point. Hey, let me talk to you about your dad. I mean, think about that. Let me tell you about your dad. He's a jerk. He's trying to kill me. What's his problem? I haven't done anything. Only because they already had a relationship, trust, loyalty, proven track record of being there for one another. David was able to talk about this very difficult thing to his best friend. Even if you have such a friendship, even then you must do it with humility. After prayer, after careful consideration, and Bible says what? You always think someone else has a log uh, in their eye, and you think just you have a little speck of dust in your eye, but it's actually the other way around a lot of times, right? So whenever you begin to see something, look in the mirror first. Philippians 2, 3, 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And to be honest with you, the closer you are, the, the more difficult it is to talk about these things. Because you know? it's not just about passing on of information, right? It's not about passing on of information. Why are people so nasty online? You know, even though they may be speaking truth, you know, in their comments section. You know, a lot of times I look at these articles or stuff people put up, and I don't even, the article is interesting enough, but uh, the comments are a lot more fun for me to read. I don't, do you ever do that? I just go down through the comments and I think about how people are, and I just think, like, man, we're just like, 
we're doomed as humanity, you know. Uh, but uh, why, why is that? Because there's no relationship. People are just throwing information, content, you know, towards one another, against one another. But if there was a relationship, now suddenly, even though I may see something going on here, I am concerned about how he will take what I say. I am concerned about the repercussions of what I will say to this guy. I am concerned about uh, my own friendship with him. I am concerned about, you know, do, 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 is, are we in the place to do this? Am, am I, do I have the right to do this? You know, uh, but if you don't know that person online, you could just spew whatever, you know, online. Because telling it like it is, I want us to understand that it part, you know, what it, the, the content of what David and Jonathan talked about, and we have different things that we, in our life, you know, uh, that sometimes we talk to our friends about. But it's not merely the passing of information that we're concerned with. It's to who and who is and what kind of relationship do you have with that person? And when you have that friendship that you are, in fact, called to keep one another accountable. And the Proverbs we just read says, enemies' kisses multiply. Wow. Think about that. So don't be an enabler. Don't be an enabler to your friends. If you have that friendship, if you have that level of trust, if you know, okay, you, are, you guys are there, you guys, you know, you have a friend like that, and you see something that you need to speak into their life, don't be an enabler because for fear of, of being judged, you know, you're politically incorrect or, or because you are, um, you know, just you don't want to risk your friendship, but you, you're okay, perfectly okay seeing your friend destroy himself or herself. You know, uh, don't be an enabler. And if you have enables, enablers in your life, get rid of them. If you have enable, enablers in your life, they're not helping you at all, Okay. And we talk about, I mean, do you remember when Michael Jackson died? They were saying that the doctor was enabling him, you know. Um, uh, if you have enablers in your life, they're not helping you. Think about that. Okay, we're going to pray about that in a little bit, but let's, 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 let's go on. The second point that I want to say is true friends are weather sealed. True friends are weather sealed. I was so proud of myself when I, when I came up with this phrase, you know, <laughs> uh, weather sealed. I thought about, you know, weatherproofing and all that, but weather sealed, that just sounds so much better, right? True friends are weather sealed because, like, you get it right away, right? Proverbs um, chapter 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times. Same word in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 17. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. David and Jonathan, they loved each other as, as, as they loved themselves. Like, I love you as much as I love myself. Yeah, I love you too as much as I love myself. This is the kind of friendship they had. And Proverbs 17, 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. We'll have heard a phrase, fair-weather friends, right? Or did I just make that up? I, I thought we've heard it. Uh, fair-weather friends, okay. Uh, they only come to you when things are good or whenever they need something, right? Um, um, I found, uh, you know, preparing for this, I found another uh, interesting uh, thing. A British uh, magazine um, offered a prize for a... Uh, uh, best definition for a friend, right? So they did like a contest. Uh, I don't know which magazine, but they did a contest with, where the readers submitted their definition of friends, right? They did different contests. And they got literally thousands and thousands. And some of them uh, were uh, this one, one who multiplies joys, divides grief, and whose honesty is inviolable. Wow, that's, that's a good friend. That, that was like one of them. Uh, the other one was one who understands our silence. 
Okay, uh, sorry, I didn't type it up there. I got lazy. Um, I had a lot to do, okay? So <laughs> one who understands silence. Okay, that's a good friend. Um, uh, uh, another one, a volume of sympathy bound in cloth. A vol- Man, British people are so poetic. A volume of sympathy bound in cloth. A watch that beats true for all time and never runs down. Can you come up with that? Can you come up with something like that? Yeah. <laughs> but the winning one, the one that won the best, pr- the, the, the final uh, prize, uh, definition of a friend, read, a friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Mmm. Yeah. I just saw John do, mmm. Yeah, he felt that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, a friend, a true friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a friend like that? If you do, man, praise the Lord. Praise Jesus, you know, that you have such a friend. Um, but I know that a lot of people don't have also friends like that. Uh, but you see that David and Jonathan were not uh, fair-weather friends to each other. I mean, talk about a difficult situation that will put a strain on your relationship, on your friendship. I mean, have you ever had such an experience? You are friends with somebody, but because of uh, uh, you know, a parent or family issue, uh, something like that. Uh, you, you are not friends anymore. Um, David and Jonathan were definitely not fair weather friends because they were there for each other during the, the really difficult time. And, and here's the thing. I thought about David and Jonathan. They had plenty, plenty of reasons to be fair weather friends. Do you realize that? They had plenty of reasons to manipulate one another to gain what they wanted for themselves. Remember the family thing that I told you? David is the son-in-law of the king. He's married to the king's daughter. He's best friends with Jonathan, right? So for David, he could manipulate the situation in a totally different way here. Do you understand that? He's married to his daughter. He's, he's best friends with the, the son. And the, 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 and, and, and the other thing I haven't mentioned is that, you know, Prophet Samuel had already anointed David to be the next king, right? So David has all these in, in his mind. So if you were in David's shoes in modern context, in today's world, you have all these things happening. You already, you know, somebody already said, you're going to be the next CEO, but you have to put up with, you know, currency and all that. And, and there's just all this stuff happening. You could be completely manipulative um, and, 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 and have things go your way. So David had plenty of reasons to do that. Jonathan... As king's son, he was, at this point, he was still the one to receive the next kingship, right? The throne, right? He was supposed to be the next king, the second king of, of Israel, right? Okay? Um, and, but he's best friends with none other than David himself. I mean, if you want anybody to be at your side as a king, this is the guy. You understand that? Okay, again, he could sing, he could dance, he could go and kill. Uh, I, I, I heard someone say, man, it's, it's easy to find uh, friends who will die for you, but to find friends who are willing to kill for you, that's a whole other level, right? Hey, do you have friends like that? Okay, uh, I hope you don't have friends like that, all right? Okay, um, but I would love to have friends like that. Um, you know, maybe just don't tell me about it, guys, you know. Um, but... Speaking of such a friend, David, my man, he slew Goliath. If you want anybody at your side as a king, this is the guy. You know, so Jonathan could have totally, you know, messed with David and manipulated in between because David's not directly dealing with Saul here and, and he's married to my sister. I could use, go through my sister to like, 
There is all these reasons for them to manipulate each other, but they did not. What did David do? He came to Jonathan and they told him like it was. And David and, and Jonathan, after find out, finding out everything, he didn't change his story, but, but it went to David as they had committed to one another. And he told him that my, my, my dad, my father, is trying to kill you. And through it all, they remained friends. They were not friends for what they can gain from each other. They loved, it says, he loved them as he loved himself. And finally, this is our main point today. Because all these things, um, whether you are a Christian or not, um, you know, we would all love friends like that. We would all, we should all hope to be friends like that to others, right? But here, we're seated here. We're not in some community rec center. This isn't some, you know, um, a support group or whatever. Um, we are here at a church. This is a community of worshipers. We sang the songs that we sang because we believe that God is our God. He is our Lord. And he, you know, Jesus Christ came to us to save us. And, and he died for us on the cross and rose from the dead. And, and, and in fact, he now calls us his friends. You know, and, and because of that, it informs the decisions we make in our life. Our faith, our relationship with Christ informs and affects, you know, every day my decisions, the, the choices that I make, and even the company I keep. So what does it mean for Christians to have friends? What does it mean for Christians to be true friends? What does it mean for Christians to be godly friends? God-centered friendship takes it to the next level. I said next level because the level right before it, underneath it, is everybody. Whether you are a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. We should all, again, hope to be such friends to one another, even if you're not. Uh, and by the way, some people who are Christians, you should work on being a good person first. You know, I feel like um, you could, you could you know, know all the theology and all the stuff you want. And, and I, I'm sure people, we've all experienced this in church or just with other Christians. That's why we, we sometimes say, man, why are non-Christian friends so much nicer than my Christian friends? You know, I've said that so many times. You know, I've said that so many times. Um, and, and so, so we should all strive to be good friends and, and loyal people and, and, and contribute to society, okay? But what is it about our relationship with God that takes our friendship to the next level? Verse 42 of chapter 20. So, you know, Jonathan goes and um, they, they come up with this thing. You know, you should go back and read it because, again, Old Testament, if you like, Soap opera, Old Testament is one long soap opera, so many ways, okay? So, you know, uh, Jonathan and uh, David, they talk, and, and okay, um, Jonathan says, they tells David, this is what I'm going to do, okay? We're going to have a banquet, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to go, and since you're not there, because David's hiding out, you know, in the field, because he knows Saul's going to kill him. Um, you know, my dad's going to ask where you are because your seat is there. It's, it's reserved, you know, it's, it's royal, you know, banquet. So uh, he's going to ask, and when I tell him that he had to go and take care of some things at home, um, and uh, uh, I'm going to see what my, how my dad reacts. If he loses his temper because he had been meaning to try to kill you, uh, but you are not there, so he's going to lose it. Um, I'm going to, I'll tell you what happens, and this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to, you know, shoot some arrows afterwards, come out, and uh, I'm going to have my um, errand boy with me, basically, right, armor bearer, um, excuse me. Um, and uh, you'll be hiding out in the field, um, and, and we both know where we are at that time. Remember that time that, that you know, where you hit out last time? So they, 
uh, decided on a place, and I'm going to shoot an arrow and, and listen to what I'm yell, telling my armor bearer. If I tell him, you know, oh, your, your um, arrow, my arrows, because what do they do? They shoot the arrow, and they go and they have to pick up the arrow and bring it back. I mean, man, it's good to be a king or king's son. And, um, you know, you shoot an arrow, and they run, and, and they bring the arrows back for you. If I say, oh, arrows are, um, uh, what did he say exactly? I don't want to get this wrong because, uh, um, okay, uh, verse 20. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send the boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here. Then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. So if I say arrows are here and get it, bring them here, uh, then just understand. My dad's cool. Like, he's calmed down, all right? Uh, verse 22, but if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you. Then you must go because the Lord has sent you away, right? So if I say to the boy, bring it, it's right there, bring it, then you're, you're in the clear. But if I say to the boy, no, no, you got to, it's, it's, it's farther, you got to keep going. Then just keep, stay hidden, know that my dad is trying to kill you. Verse 24, so David hid in the field and when the new moon festival came, the king sat down to eat and then the whole thing. Um, and, and he, sure enough, he loses his temper and to a point where he picks up a spear and he throws it at his own son. He loses his temper. Jonathan's like, why are you trying to kill David? Like, don't you, how can you be for him? Like, you're the next in line. Isn't he a threat to your throne? And Jonathan doesn't care about any of that stuff, you know. And Saul just loses it and he picks, and he throws it at his own son. And he just kind of misses it, you know. And then Jonathan just, you know, books out of there. And he's like, I got to warn David. My dad has lost it. And they come together after the boy, uh, he warns them, they, they rendezvous, you know, in the field. And I am so sorry, you know, I am so sorry um, about my dad. And, and, and they, they, they begin to, um, you know, say their last words, right, farewell, um, goodbye. Because this is, David's going to be on the run now, officially, right? Um, 42, Jonathan said to David, uh, it says 41, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together. But they were, again, the kiss in the biblical time, we're not talking about, some people looking at it like, oh, I see there's something funny going on. Um, no, <laughs> you know, um, it's a common way to greet one another. Um, then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David in verse 42, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. I don't know, man. You know, as soon as I pass 40, I'm like, I'm getting more emotional about stuff. I like tear up looking at watching commercials and, you know, do you ever watch those like commercials from Thailand and, like on, you, on YouTube? Man, they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm just like, oh. Anyway, I'm just like, I'm getting emotional right now just like reading. Just imagine there, man, it's, uh, you know, we're so, um, this, the, the, the same-sex friendship, we're so, like, paranoid about that. But it's such a beautiful thing without it being weird. Do you understand that? Um, and, 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 and here you see these two guys, two brothers, and, and, and they love each other. Um, and, and he says to him, we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. 
We have friendship in the name of the Lord. Why the fact, does the fact that we are friends in Christ take it to the next level? Why does that matter for us? For us? Because friendship, anything, any commitment, uh, friendship is made stronger by mutual commitment to God. Do you remember the picture we, I, I showed you last week? The, the, the marriage takes three uh, diagram, right? You got the husband on the one side, wife on one side, God at the top. You know, if you're just working on becoming one right there on the bottom, you're not, you know, you're, you're going to remain, there's going to be some distance there. But as both uh, husband and wife move closer towards God together, they will naturally come closer together because it is God. Okay, who is the head? Who is the center of that marriage, of the household? But I said, what did I say? If you're not married, if you're single, the same principle applies in other relationships we have in our lives. Because now that we are Christians, we are to look at others in, through the, in and through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Right? So friendship is made stronger by mutual commitment to God. It is our faith in Christ that keeps us together because ultimately we are what? Not just friends, we actually become family in Christ. Because friends can part ways. I mean, that's just reality. That's just how it happens. Friends can say goodbye and, and you know, part ways. But family, no matter what, you can never uh, undo your relationship with your family. Okay, maybe even legally you could get them off, whatever. You could, you know, uh, change your name and uh, I'm no longer part of this family. But... Your blood says otherwise, right? Your blood says otherwise. Because we become family in Christ. And here it says, we have friendship in the Lord. And they, the Lord is witness. Praying together makes friendship stronger. Praying together makes friends. And this is going to be my challenge. And this is a really great, uh, difficult challenge, okay? Um, why does friendship take you to the next level? Because... You are, first of all, praying for each other, okay? You're praying for each other. So, so more than emotional and physical uh, bonding, there is a spiritual level of bonding happening, of friendship going on. And when you are able to pray together, pray together, seeking the same, God, same Lord together, that takes your friendship to the next level in God. The reason why Christ being at the center in any relationship is important is because it no longer becomes about us, but about Christ and what he's done for us. You know, all the different definitions of uh, friends that I found online and even that magazine, it's all about what that other person can do for me. And that's why friends can sometimes part ways. Because it's all about me. How can you fill my need, right? It's all about that. But when you are friends in Christ, when you're married in Christ, it's no longer about you. It's about Christ, what he has done for you, and how you respond to that out of gratitude for the other person, to the other person. 